All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Toxic Playing Podcast. I am your host, Ashley, and today we're going to be talking about the NFL draft. Uh, day three just ended a couple hours ago. It's currently midnight <laughs> where I'm at, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, Chris, um, who is also part of ATB. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm excited to uh, to be on with you tonight. I know it's late. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm used to working overnight as it is, so this is nothing. <laughs> but I'm glad you took the time out of your day to, to come on and hop on here and discuss some some tough football, some NFL draft. Uh, I, I think it went really well. I think this is probably one of the better drafts that they've had in recent years. Yeah, I could agree with that. My uh, My instant grade... You know, when the draft ended, I gave them a B. I don't get caught up in, like, B minus or B plus because I just mm-hmm. – the letter B is letter B. So I think it went fairly well. There was a few uh, things I would have liked to have seen them done. But overall, I can't complain, you know. I really liked the first two rounds. Um, getting Tyler Johnson in the fifth was an absolute steal. I was just surprised. You know, when the process started, when the, you know, and people kept telling me Tyler Johnson is going to drop, he's going to drop, he's not, you know, I originally had him as like a day two guy, a second, third round pick, and everyone's telling me he's probably not going to the fifth round. I was just, it surprised me to hear that, but it worked out, and he's now a Buccaneer, and I'm very excited for that pick. So you said there would be a couple things that you would do different. Um, what would you have done or, or like to have, to have done in this draft that uh, maybe they didn't or maybe straight away from? Because, I mean, they, they hit a couple of the needs in my mind, but I'd like to see what where your mind is at, seeing from different perspectives. Yeah, yeah no, my, uh, one of my biggest things going into this draft was getting, um, and it, it's a little nitpicky, but I would have liked to have seen more depth on the offense and defensive line. I mean, the defensive line is, you know, it's got some young players, but it also has some older players. You know, JPP is going to be here for what, another two years. Sue's only here for another year, so I would have really liked to have them to have drafted a, uh, you know, a defensive tackle that could take over for Sue. Let them, you know, learn under Sue for one year. Play, you know, get that chemistry with Vey and um, be ready to rock in 2021. Uh, they did get Khalil Davis, but he's probably just going to be, a, you know, a depth piece role player like Will Golston. I don't see him as a, a starter in the future. I mean, he could build up to that eventually, you know, three, four years down the road, but I would have liked to have seen someone come in in 2021 and just take over for Sue and have a seamless transition. And then I'm really not comfortable with N.J. Stewart. Um, you know, last year he was a healthy scratch for a couple games and just speaks, you know, the, where the coaching staff's heads are with him. I just don't – I don't think he's athletic or fast enough to play in the NFL. So I really would have liked to have seen another cornerback taken. Um, not necessarily didn't need to be early, but just someone that they could come in and fill in in the you know in the nickel. You know, if Jamal Dean or Carlton Davis gets hurt, then SMB's gonna have to slide outside 
and you, you need someone to fill that nickel position because most NFL teams play nickel 60 to 70 percent of the downs on defense. So it's a relatively important position that having that nickel cornerback, and I just don't think N.J. Stewart is going to be the guy next year. I have to agree with you there. N.J. Stewart is one of those guys that I, I, I like to give people a chance. I mean, anyone that comes into Tampa Bay um, has, my full, has my full support, don't get me wrong. Um, if you're drafted here, if you sign here, if, if you're if you're signed here as an undrafted free agent, you know you have me behind you 100%. But you know if, if you don't produce, if you don't you know live up to the expectation, you I mean there's nothing really else to do but you know you have to address it. And I don't think that MJ Stewart is starting material. Um, I really don't know if he's even better than Ryan Smith at this point at corner. I think he's a little bit too slow. And I don't know if he can really make up for it as a safety. I do like the undrafted free agent that they did sign in, in Parnell uh, Motley out of Oklahoma. I think he's got some good intangibles. I think there's a couple things, um, a couple downsides to this game. He tends to stare at the quarterback and get caught up in uh, in certain routes. But the way he is able to force turnovers and get his hand on the ball is kind of interesting. Kind of reminds me of uh, Levante in an aspect of, you know, always looking to create a play, make a play. But in the quarterback room, it's almost like they they really, really like the group they have. There's not a whole lot of depth. I wonder if maybe they'll sign um, a couple more undrafted free agents or maybe keep MJ Stewart as a quarter, but I feel like there's a couple players that aren't going to be here next year that were last year um, simply because of, of just, you know, getting upgrades. And I think that even even if MJ Stewart plays, I don't think he'll be a very big uh, part of the team like he was last year, like you said, with a couple of the uh, a couple of the healthy scratches. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would be surprised if MJ Stewart even makes the roster, you know, the final 53. Um, as of right now, I'm having him down as that, as that he won't make the final 53. I think he'll be uh, the odd man out. Um, yeah, I like the Motley guy. He's more developmental, so I was looking more of someone that can come in right away. Maybe the Bucks can go out and get a veteran corner on, you know, that's still on the free agency market for you know, veteran, veteran minimum or, you know, something relatively cheap that can come in and fill would make me a lot more comfortable um, in case we have an injury because they really, they're putting all their eggs in that basket, in that young corner group. And if one, I mean, I don't trust MJ Stewart and Brian Smith doesn't really offer any value on defense or even in, you know, the slot. Oh, I would agree. Um, I mean, it's not out of their own possibility that they still make additions to the team. I mean, I know they're barely relatively strapped for cap space, but they could make it happen if they really wanted to, especially on a vet minimum. Um, I mean, we didn't sign two last year until, what, late June, early July. So I think um, they'll evaluate what kind of – prospects they have in both undrafted free agent and um, the growth of some of the players have made and then go from there, especially with what's going on with the coronavirus. We just don't know at this point. 
um, when they're going to be able to see these guys on the field. So I think there'll be at least one more, at least one more addition um, before the season starts at the cornerback position or a couple more. You know, they might have four or five guys in that undrafted free agent uh, class come in as corners or athletes to uh, put competition in. Yeah, definitely. I think they will. Now that the draft is over, they can sit back and they feel like, all right, what do we need to address now? And they can go out and um, see what's what's left out there or, you know, Teams, teams are going to have to make cuts for salary cap later, you know, before the season starts. So that's always an option, too. I'd rather have someone, you know, even we may not have a training camp or it may be a rush training camp, so I'd rather have someone that could spend, you know, however amount of time learning the whole system. I'm really not a fan of someone coming in later, you know, like we did with T.J. Ward, and it just doesn't play well on our part. So – if they're going to do it, I hope they do it relatively soon so they can start working together and getting, you know, the verbiage down. You heard Bruce Arians. He says he wants to do more, or Todd Bowles wants to do more uh, complicated things on the back end. So it'll be really important for them to, if they're going to sign a veteran quarter, corner, I'd rather rather them do it sooner rather than later. In the books right now, you know, I, I think they're sitting after the draft. They're sitting with about $3.7 million dollars. So, you know, and then probably when they have to make their final uh, cuts to the 53-man roster, they could probably free up another $3 million, you know, for injury players throughout the season. So I'm not really too worried about the money. The money can always be worked out, especially mm-hmm. with Mike, Green, Mike Greenberg. He does a really good job of, of making sure the Bucks, when they need money, they'll have it. So I'm not too worried about the money aspect of it. Yeah, I wouldn't be as of right now. But I wanted to get your opinion on, you know, go through the draft picks, you know, relatively swiftly and get your thoughts on them. Um, I think the first-round pick might be my favorite. I mean, it's kind of easy to say that as a first-round pick, but uh, landing Tristan Wirfs at, at, at 13, even having to – you know, use that fourth-round pick to solidify it uh, was just a, a great move, and I think it's going to be one that that really solidifies that offensive line for years to come in Tampa. I mean, Tristan Wirfs is the most athletic offensive tackle that we've seen since forever. I mean, he broke records at whole held in 2003. This kid has so much upside, um, even with – you know, his his stance is a little bit too too narrow, but there are things that, be, that can be directed with, with coaching. And uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the pick and having to use the fourth-round pick to solidify it and how you feel it benefits the team. If he'd be a better uh, right tackle, I've seen some people talk about moving him to right guard. Yeah, no, Tristan Wurst is not a guard. He is a tackle. He's a right tackle. They only say that because his arms are a little bit shorter than what you would like in a tackle. But I'm not worried about that. He's a right tackle, and he's going to, you know, be the right tackle for the Bucks for the next 10 years. You don't have to worry about that. And I love the pick back in March. You know, I wrote an article for ATV, you know, from the Bucks offseason plans, and 
I had Tristan Wirfs mocked to the Bucks in the first round, and for a few reasons. One, I I feel like he is one of the, you know, he's a top four offensive tackle in this class or top three. But at the same time, when I did that article, I'm like, okay, which one has the best chance to drop at that point? And when you look at Andrew Thomas and Jedrick Wills, they come from SEC schools and teams generally will take an SEC tackle higher than they would a Big Ten. So I thought out of all of them, Tristan Wirfs would have the better chance to drop. And, and, it did, and he did, and it worked out perfectly, and I'm happy about it. You know, he's a... He's going to help the run game tremendously. Um, last year, the Bucks wouldn't run on the right side of the line because DeMar Dotson wasn't good at it. So now that opens it up. He's going you know, to be able to do, instead of just running behind Ali Marpet or running behind Alex, Alex Tappa, he'll be able to run behind Tristan Wirfs. And he's fast, and on screen plays, you know, he can get out in space. He's a lot quicker than DeMar Dotson, younger. Um, it was just a home run pick. And at first, I felt like the fourth-round pick was a little high. But at the same time, as, as if we didn't give that fourth-round pick and we missed the chance to get an offensive tackle like Tristan Wirfs, I think I would have been pretty upset. So at the end of the day, we got him, and he's going to help this offensive line tremendously. He, he needs to work on his pass block, and he's not there yet. But I think with Harold Goodwin and – and Gilchrist, they'll get him up to speed pretty quickly. Um, then when you look at, I mean, the offensive line in Iowa, you don't go in there as a redshirt freshman and starts. So that speaks volumes on on what kind of player he is and what kind of player he will be. So I'm very happy we got Tristan Morris. And it just, the Bucks needed to invest first-round talent at the offensive line or the defensive line positions they did it two years ago with Vita Vea, and they're doing it now with Tristan Wirfs. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think Tristan Wirfs really helps the running game quite a bit. I think that, you know, Ronald Jones loves to run outside. Um, he's great at the tackles. I think he definitely improved in that aspect last season. But when it comes to bouncing outside, you couldn't do what the tackles we had currently because uh, Donovan Smith still struggled last year to an extent. And DeMar Dotson was getting blown off of his blocks quite a bit. So when that happens, you don't want to run outside. You pound it up the middle the whole time. And like you said, in the screen game with both running backs that we have now, or all three of them really, um, that's huge. Um, having a tackle that can get out in front of these guys and block for them and, and block down the field, um, it opens up a whole new dimension, especially for Brady, especially for – um, the other blocking tight ends like Bronx. Bronx is a, a very underrated blocker. So I think that this will um, – it makes the running game more dimensional as well, not just – not only in, like, improving it as a whole. Yep, I agree. And I think it'll be more efficient as a whole. And, and a lot of the times last year, too, you know, Age caught up with DeMar Dotson, you know, how they say father time is always undefeated. Well, mm-hmm. it caught up with DeMar Dotson, and he was always in line. For some reason, whenever we got into the red zone, he would commit some kind of holding penalty on a touchdown play. And 
And so I just think getting younger at that position, someone who wants to be able to run block, because DeMar Dotson admitted he didn't like to run block. So, and Tristan Wirfs does, and he's just going to, you know, you have to have that mentality, and he's going to bring that mentality, and I think he's going to fit right in with Ryan Jensen and the rest of the offensive line, and I think as a whole, he, I wouldn't say the last missing piece on the offensive line, because I'm still skeptical of Donovan, Donovan Smith, but I, uh, he definitely improves at big time. Yeah, so I think the offensive line is that they have Haig that can come in as a backup um, or even at a swing in, in, in multiple positions at that um, on the line. And then you also have um, a couple of the free agents that are under active free agents that, they find that can come in and also play different positions. So I think that, you know, for right now, they're set. But moving on to the second pick, um, this one – Really, I, when it happened, I was confused because I was like, who is this? Uh, talking about Anton Winfield Jr., um, and as many of you may know, is Anton Winfield Sr.'s son who played for the Vikings for uh, his career and put up just some tremendous numbers. But I was like, a 5'9 safety? Like, who is this kid? And I was like, wait, is that Anton Winfield's son? Like, Anton Winfield, Anton Winfield? Like, are you sure? But this at, at at 45, I mean, in my eyes, this pick was one of the biggest deals of the draft. You have a first-round talent that should have went, you know, 15 to 20 range overall, drops all the way down to 45, and this kid can ball. I mean, this kid's tape is, is some of the best things I've seen in safeties in, in a long time. Um, but I want to get your opinion on that. Um, what do you think of the safety hot bowl system and – you know, was he worth the pick at 45, even though we have quite a few bodies in the safety room? Um, you know, just overall, how you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, you just said it right there. Um, we have a bunch of bodies, but none of those bodies are going to equate to what Antoine Winfield Jr. can do. Um, and it was, you know, it was a shocker. No one, I don't think anyone expected the Bucks to take a safety. And if they did, no one expected them to take a safety in the second round. But when you got to look at, you know, when you're when you're doing your draft board and a player like that falls to you right in your lap, I mean, you don't hesitate. You take him. He's a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he's aggressive. His aggressiveness is – it's not an aggressiveness that's going to cause a detriment to your team. You know, that's going to be – well – He's going to be too aggressive, so they're just going to throw the ball behind him, and he's going to um, not be in position. His aggressiveness is very controlled. He knows how to control his aggressiveness. He knows when, you know, his instincts allow him to be aggressive. He's very football savvy. Obviously, you know, his dad played the position, and I'm sure that helps him a lot. He said he was watching film with his dad at at a young age. So having that football IQ is let me put it this way. He's going to, he's going to be a safety the Bucks have probably haven't had in a long time. Um, and I'm very excited. The Bucks, in the way, the, the Bucks couldn't go into this season relying on Justin Evans again. And I'm, you know, prior to the draft, I made it known on Twitter, like, the Bucks need an insurance policy in case Justin Evans doesn't play. They're not counting on him to play. And if he comes back healthy and he does well in camp, then fine, so be it. 
it's just a bonus. But they're, they're not relying on him. He wasn't like, well, we have to have Justin Evans this year. They went out, got Antoine Winfield Jr., and he's likely going to be your day one starter. Um, I would be surprised if he's not. And I honestly, I don't see Justin Evans making the team. Um, he just had so many setbacks, you know, injury after injury. You know, if he shows to camp healthy, I still don't know if he'll be on this team, um, mainly because I feel like they like Dakota Dixon a lot. They like, Jordan, you know, Jordan Whitehead's going to start. They like Mike Edwards. So the only two I could see are the odd men out are Andrew Adams and Justin Evans. They'll probably battle for that last safety spot. And I think overall Andrew Adams, who has playing times in the system under Bull, has a leg up on Justin Evans. So I don't see Justin Evans even making the 53-man roster. That's, that's, I mean, that's really surprising in my eyes. Uh, the whole situation with Justin Evans is kind of reminiscent of Kendall Beckwith, which is pretty scary. I mean, Kendall Beckwith is supposed to come in and be that one key punch, kind of the successor of Rolante when he eventually retires um, with, with Quam. Kendall Beckwith is um, supposed to be, quote-unquote, better than Quan, you know, the next Levante of the team, and then he had those horrible injuries. Um, we, we haven't even seen the guy play. And Justin Edwards is kind of the same way. He's had a lot of injury issues. He's missed, what, 18 months already of, of games? He missed half of or six months of 2018 and all of 2019 season. He had uh, two surgeries last year. It's, it's starting to become a question if he's ever going to suit up for us again. Um, it, it's super unfortunate. He has a lot of intangibles that I love about him. He's aggressive. He's a good ball tracker. But the best ability is availability. And I think that's something that they definitely come into account with the think of Antoine Rousseau Jr. was this is a guy that can – you know, possibly be a leader on the team and take over right away if need be. I think him and Jordan Whitehead play very similar. I think um, those two would be the top two just to be the starters on, on this defense because I know they like to use a lot of two and three safety sets um, in some packages. You know, they have them blitz or they have them in the box. All just depends on the package, but... Those two would be my, you know, week one starters, and that's a that's a hell of a combo. I mean, you have someone, even though he's only five nine, he plays so much bigger. There was a play against uh, one of the teams that Minnesota played last year where it's it's on the goal line or on the five yard line, and he's way beyond this pass that can steal the game for the other team, and he just goes up and takes. It. I mean, this wide receiver's got to be at least six one, six two, and he's five foot nine and gets his hand on it and brings it down for an interception. Like his body is parallel to the ground at that point. He's, he's almost flat on his back if he goes straight down. Um, so I think his instinct. I think, uh, like you said, Andrew Adams is. His experience in the defense, and then, you know, also Jordan Whitehead's experience in defense, you put him in that room, and they're really going to, you know, help him elevate his game. Uh, Winfield talked about wanting to be a leader on this team and just, you know, bringing positivity to to the defense and to the team itself. Is, it kind of talks a lot about his character and the way he was brought up. So uh, I'm definitely excited about him. I think he might be tied up there with one of my favorite picks. I mean, it's kind of hard to talk with this trip in the world. I mean, 
he's going to be a stud. I mean, it's just his pedigree, but you could say the same for both. So I, I definitely think uh, the points you made are, are accurate. Uh, it, it'd be, I'd be kind of upset if Justin Evans didn't make the 53-man roster, though. But I would, I would understand it. Yeah, I mean, he just – it's hard for him. He really frustrated the Bucks and Scott Reynolds. Um, he talked about this over his – the Pewter Report, they did a three-day live broadcast of the draft, and he really talked about how Justin Evans frustrated the Bucks because he waited so long to – you get surgery to recover. He wanted to recover on his own and not have the surgery and wanted to, you know. So it really frustrated the Bucks that when they needed him to come play, he wasn't available to play. So he has no ties to Todd Bowles, and Todd Bowles has handpicked two safeties. You know, he drafted Mike Edwards last year. He drafted Antoine Whitfield Jr. this year. So I really see Justin Evans as the odd man out. And you know what? If he comes in, and he learns a system quick, and he outperforms Andrew Adams or Dakota Dixon, then it's just a bonus. That's the way the Bucks are looking at it already. He's just a bonus, and if that happens, then the Bucks have a very good depth at safety position. But Antoine, Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be that center fielder. He's going to be lined up everywhere. Bruce Arians today at, you know, at his uh, roundup uh, conference, he said he's he's like Tyran Matthew, the Honey Badger, and Buddha Baker, and so you can't be more excited about that. I mean, I'm very excited. Had the Bucks not picked Tristan Wirfs, he would be my best draft pick of this of this class. But the Bucks couldn't have had a better first two rounds. I I, I just think they nailed the first pick and they nailed the second pick. Oh, yeah, anytime you can get two first-round talents in the first two rounds, like, you're cooking with crypto at that point. I mean, you have two players that are going to be immediate day one impact. They're going to be guys that can come in, give you work, and, and, you know, contribute to a football team just right off the bat. So I I would agree with you. Um, And what's what's, what's important with Antoine Winfield Jr. that we haven't really seen a lot from our secondary in general as a whole is that he's a ball hawk. He knows how to force turnovers. He knows, you know, his ball skills are off the charts. He, you know, he can catch the ball. I mean, I, I think I, I saw the highlights she threw up there on Twitter um, yesterday and today of him just going up and getting the ball. When's the last time we had a safety that went up there and just did that? Forever. So, I honestly couldn't tell you. So he, he's just going to be a plus, and he's going to shorten – shore up the back end of that field, and I'm really excited to see him under Todd Bowles because I think he's just going to, you know, it's a match made in heaven between Todd Bowles and Antoine Winfield Jr. I agree, and I think, I mean, you really can't have a better comparison to a player than the Honey Badger, and uh, I saw Earl Thomas, I saw Luda Baker, you know, just as player comparisons, and at that point, you know, you can't help but be excited. Uh, I'm way for it tomorrow at this point. Like, I want to see what this kid can do, and he's going to only get better having to go up against Tom Brady in practice. Like, all of these players, especially the players from last year, players from um, all the graphics, they're going to have the best quarterback in the history of the game um, to go against. 
every day in practice and in, in uh, you know, even in scrimmage and stuff like that. So it's only going to elevate their game, and I'm super excited about the pick. Now, the next pick is, is probably the most controversial um, of the whole draft. Uh, in the third round, there were a lot of running backs that went off the board. It was, you know, a succession of J.K. Uh, not J.K. Cam Akers, John uh, Dre Swift, so on and so forth. Justin, uh, Jonathan Taylor, and then um, in the third round, the Bucks took Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt. And there were a lot of people on Twitter, and I mean a lot, who were immediately upset. Just immediately upset. They didn't like it. Wanted nothing to do with it. And, but I love the pick. I love this. He had the second most yards ever in Vanderbilt history. He's, he had two back-to-back 1,000-yard games. He's good out of the backfield. He had eight uh, eight plays of 60-plus yards. He can run between the tackles. He's got pretty good speed. He doesn't, he's not a burner or anything, but he's got good speed on him. I think he's going to fit exactly what Bruce Arians wants in the system. I think he's going to be a good screen guy, and I think he's going to take the load off of Rojo uh, – I mean, Rogers should get, you know, the bulk of the carries, but I think that he can be that third down back and that third and fourth situation guy. But, like I said, a lot of people were very upset about it. They didn't like it. Uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, you know, if he fits the system, uh, your immediate reaction, if there was someone else you wanted at that point, uh, just, you know, how you were feeling about it. So my, my immediate reaction, I was kind of just – confused. I was like, huh? But taking some time now to think about it really kind of... When I think about it now, the Bucks didn't have a fourth-round pick, and I really think they would have taken him in, taken him in the fourth round. But they didn't have a fourth-round pick, so they probably reached a tad bit early on him. Um, which, I mean, I don't really mind that because if He's going to be a player to help with this offense um, because it all goes back to why fans are upset, okay? The Bucks have been one of the worst rushing teams in the NFL since 2016. So when the Bucks see a big-name player like Cam Akers or J.K. Dobbins still on the board and they pass over him and then the next round they take someone that they've never even really heard of, it's like the mentality of, well, you've been doing that, and it hasn't been working. So why mm-hmm. is it going to change now? And that's the way I see it with most fans. They're like, they just want, because the run game hasn't even been deficient since 2016. You know, I mean, last year the Bucks were last in the league in short-yarded situations, or 31st in the league, I mean. They weren't, they weren't good at it. They couldn't run the ball in third and one or fourth and one, third and two, fourth and two. Um, and it was just, you know, they couldn't they couldn't move the sticks. They couldn't sustain drives because of it. Um, so when you see a household name like J.K. Dobbins or Cam Akers, you you want the Bucks to go and be like, all right, hey, take them and never look back. But the problem is, is Jason Light has already shown us over the years he doesn't really value putting high draft picks into running backs. He did it with Rojo. Uh, I really think they liked Rojo a lot. Uh, but Br- 
Bruce Arians, you know, he came out and said it himself. He's not going to pay running back big money. He's not going to invest high picks into the running back position. So, I mean, from that standpoint, it makes sense. Um, so I understand a little bit more. And he's, he's, he's probably going to have to work on, you know, the NFL is different when it comes to pass protection, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more that goes into it. Defenses are more, um, they're faster, they're more stronger, they're more confusing as far as it goes. So it'll be interesting to see how we can pick that up because I'm really, right now, I'm off the, I was off the Dari train week two of last year. I don't really want to, you know, the less time I see Dari in the game, the happier I'll be. Listen, uh, I think but, that. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. So, yeah, and it also, he's not also going to play, you know, he's not going to line up that running back every time to Bruce Arians said mm-hmm. himself today. He can line him up at, you know, wide receiver because, you know, he's got the speed, he's got the quickness, the burst. Um, he can make people miss. So expect him to be used. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn may be David Johnson type player in that role. Um I don't know if he'll be as good as David Johnson, but he'll have that same type of role where he can line up as wide receiver, as running back. But it just goes to show how confident they were in Rojo, and which they should be. Rojo was the best running back on this team last year, you know. I was on Twitter, you know, with my pitchforks and torches, like why isn't Rojo getting 20-plus carries a game, you know. He was averaging – 4.5 4.5 yards per carry last year when Peyton Barber was averaging 3.3 and then Dari Ogubawali was averaging a negative yard per carry and he was still getting handoffs. So I'm glad Rojo finally got, is getting his shot because I you know I was high on him when the Bucks picked him and I'm still high on him high on him now and I know you know this year he will take that lead and he'll be you know. 1,200 to 1,300-yard guy. Yeah, I mean, Rojo looks great, by the way. He's put on some definite size. And everyone goes, oh, well, Noah Spence put on size, and look what happened to him. They're two different players. I hate that comparison. I wish people would stop with that because there's a player who's shown progression and there's a player who hasn't shown uh, progression. Ronald Jones needs the football. And like you said, pitchforks and knives and, and you know, hell raising on Twitter. You know, why isn't Rojo getting the ball? Um, I think that, you know, don't get me wrong. Peyton Barber, you know, was great with certain situations. But there was no reason why they should have been sharing snaps all, all season long. Um, so I, I think Ronald Jones, like you said, is going to have a breakout year. He should easily top thousand yards. He had uh, nearly a thousand fifty yards from scrimmage last season. He had seven hundred and fifty rushing and four touchdowns or something like that. I mean, he has the tools now. The running game is going to be so much better. It's going to be better set for run blocking. Um, I think he's going to be great. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I think Mike having that kind of confidence in him and, you know, not taking a high-profile running back is really going to boost Rojo's confidence, you know, letting him know that, hey, you're our guy. Go out and show me that I was right to, you know, put this on you. And I think that uh, 
Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be that guy, like you said, kind of like the James White of the Bucks. Uh, the player comparison for Keyshawn Vaughn was said as Jamal Williams, the running back for the Packers. Um, and, and what he does is kind of what similar James White does for the Patriots. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think, like you said, the fact they don't have any, they didn't have any fourth round picks uh, from trading up to get worse and Gronk uh, was the real reason they had to reach on a running back. Uh, you know, what happens if they didn't take a running back in the third? You're going to take one in the fifth? I mean, not one that's really going to contribute. I think, like you said, Keyshawn Vaughn's going to have um, that role. He's going to be used quite a bit. Brady loves screens. Brady loves little swing routes and stuff like that. And uh, like Arian said, he's good in space. He's good at making people miss. He's like uh, he's like Peyton Barber, but what we hoped Peyton Barber would turn into. I feel like his, his ceiling is much higher than Peyton Barber's. And I feel like, you know, with Goodwin and uh, the rest of the, the running back coaches and the O-line coaches, uh, they're going to help him navigate the run lanes. Like you said, it's much different from uh, college football to to the NFL, but I think both those coaches and, you know, the running back room as a whole is going to help him, especially Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones has been in that situation where he didn't know what his, next, his rep was going to be because he struggled so much. But if it means getting their own Bawale off the team, I am here for it. I can't stand him. And Keyson Vaughn being a draft pick and not even having set foot into one buck place yet already makes him a better pass blocker and a better option at running back than Ogumawale was all last season. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> He's awful. Yeah, He's no, I agree. Each time Ogumawale got the ball or was in on a play, I was just, it got my blood boiling. I was like, Why? I didn't understand it. I didn't know what the infatuation with the guy was. Because every time he got it, he, you know, there was usually some kind of um, mess up, you know. He was against the Tennessee game when uh, Perryman ran into him, Ogumbawali, although that was more Perryman, I think. But it just goes to show. I, I just wasn't. I lost. I liked Ogumbawali in training camp. And then when it came to the regular season, I'm just like, he's he's nothing special. I don't know, you know, I don't know why he's here. So hopefully it's one step closer where he's getting very limited playing time. Um, I don't think he makes the overall, team. I don't think he makes the team at all. I I don't I don't see how it happens. I think he could, because, I mean, right now we only have Rojo, Keyshawn Vaughn, Dari, and then the, the other running back they picked up today in the uh, seventh round. I don't think he's going to be a, you know, the third running back on the roster. I think he's going to be like T.J. Logan. Um, I would rather T.J. Logan at third running back than Dari. Yeah, and that could, be, that could be possible. You never know. I never thought about it like that. So, I mean, it could happen, yeah. It could be that T.J. Logan takes over that third running back role and then um, what's the guy's name? Was it Raymond Colias or I forget his name already. 
Yep. Uh, the Logan role. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, I think it's Kay- Kaylee. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. But at first, like I said, at first I was I was really like just kind of confused about the pick. Now that I've had more time to kind of step away, see what the guy can do. It makes sense from a buck standpoint from what Arians wants to be able to do at the running back position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't yeah. mind it now like yeah. I did yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Everything grows on you with time, but there is a fifth round pick um, that I'm I'm super excited about. Uh, I I was <laughs> I was. So for those of you who do follow me on Twitter, I know most of you might come in because of uh, Chris. Chris is also a really great follow, puts some really good stuff out. But I was ecstatic. I was like, I can't believe we landed this man. That man, I, I, I don't even have the words for it at the moment because in the fifth round, especially in this draft, I mean, you knew that the, the, uh, the wide receivers, wide receiver class, was super deep, but you didn't think it was this deep to where you were going to get a player that was going to just be such a high um, and that's Tyler Johnson uh, out of Minnesota, you know, he made with Antoine Winslow Jr. Uh, I mean, this was the highest graded wide receiver in, in pro football last year, or college football. I mean, this, this kid can do it all. He had 25 touchdowns over the past two seasons, back-to-back 1,000 yards. The last time he was in Raven James Stadium, he had over 200 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, this kid can ball. He's not super fast or anything, but he's got good size at 6'2", and he has really solid hands. He kind of reminds me of uh, a Chris Godwin with a, a bigger build almost like a Mike Evans build and a Chris Godwin style of play. But this, I think, might be the steal of the draft for me, um, for, for the Bucks. I mean, of course, uh, the Bucks steal of the draft, getting a wide receiver three in my mind um, that can come in and contribute day one. Uh, just a, a super, just, I don't have words for the pick, but, Again, I, I want to get your thoughts on it. If you think maybe he can be that wide receiver three, if you think that he can edge out Scotty uh, or, or split time with Scotty. But uh, for, for me, this was probably the most exciting pick of the day because it was such a surprise. Yeah, I mean, when the season ended and I was, you know, in once the season ends, I start digging into, all right, who who are some targets that the Bucks can look at to draft? Um, and Tyler Johnson was, you know, like Tyler Johnson was one of them. This this wide receiver class was so deep. I mean, you get a second-round talent in the fifth round um, or, you know, a third-round talent in the fifth round. It, it's, not, it's crazy. I when I was looking, I was like, man, the Bucks haven't taken a wide receiver yet. It's the fifth round. Who's still out there? And I saw Tyler Johnson. I'm like, okay, if he lasts to 161, the Bucks should take him. And I was just, once I saw it, I was ecstatic. 
you know, like you said, he's not a burner. He doesn't have great speed. I don't know what his 40 time is because he didn't run uh, at the combine, and I haven't really checked out if he did anything for his pro day. But what he can do that's going to be helpful is he can get separation. Um, in Buck's Twitter, they get, they get really mad when I say that as good as Evans and Godwin is, they're not really good at separating. And so they're like, well, they're, they're elite-wide receivers. I'm like, yeah, they can be elite-wide receivers, but they can also not be good at separating um, from defenders. And it's, you know, a lot of the times Jameis was throwing in a very tight window. That also has to do with the way the scheme was as well, but it also goes to the wide receivers not really getting good separation. And you heard that from Bruce Arians in the beginning of the season. You know, the wide receivers need to do a better job of separating. We're not getting much separation. So it is, you know, uh, it's not a knock on Chris Godwin or Mike Evans because they're great, but they could up their game by getting better separation. Now, I don't know where um, Tyler Johnson is going to play. I don't know if the Bucks are going to have him play in the slot. Or, you know, obviously Chris Godwin was very successful. So he may take over that wide receiver three, take over for Prashad Perryman. Every once in a while I could see him lining up in the slot and Godwin on the outside because Godwin probably does have more speed than Tyler Johnson. Mm -hmm. So he could really, you know, take the edge off the the defense and have Tyler Johnson go underneath, and it's just the perfect combination. But I wouldn't expect it every time. I, I think Godwin will play the majority of snaps in the slot and Tyler Johnson will play the majority of his snaps on the outside. And I absolutely think, you know, the Bucks wouldn't have drafted Tyler Johnson if they didn't think he could be wide receiver three. They didn't think he could beat out Scotty Miller or Justin Watson. Because at the end of the day, you know, like you said earlier, availability is your best ability. And Scotty Miller was never available last year. You know, he, he missed a ton of time with hamstring injuries last year. And when we needed him the most, he wasn't there. You know, when we had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin go down, Scotty Miller went down the very next game. And, you know, that left us with Justin Watson, Ishmael Hyman, and Bashad Perryman. So I do think he has a very good chance of beating out Scotty Miller. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does, because I think he's way more talented than Scotty Miller. He's not as fast. He's more talented, probably more durable. One, one of my biggest knocks on Scotty, and, and, and it could be nitpicking, um, to be honest with you, is that he has that speed, but he's very – I, I describe him as wobbly. He's so tiny that if yeah, he gets, uh, like, somewhat at all bump, he's either going to fall or get knocked way off of his course, and there were multiple times last season where he was running the wrong route or just completely lost, um, and it was awful. Like, there were times where if, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I was calling for this man to be benched because he, he didn't need to be on the field, and the Bucks have also brought in quite a few undrafted creative large receivers. I think, like, four of them. Um, and they, I think they signed 13 today, 13 on uh, players. I think they have room for like six or seven more 
but I mean, it kind of, you know, doesn't bode well for Justin Evans and Scotty Miller to have all of these undrafted agents come into the competition, as well as having another fifth-round pick, especially one, like you said, has second- or third-round talent. Yeah, no, it, it really doesn't bode well for either of them. Uh, you know, fifth-round picks, they were both fifth-round picks. Justin Watson, I believe, was a fifth-round pick, and Scotty Miller was a fifth-round pick. And, you know, fifth-round picks are easily replaced for the most part, um, especially when you get a guy that shouldn't have gone in the fifth, but you got him there. So, yeah, depending – I forget how many wide receivers the Bucks could on the active roster last year, but, I mean – one of them is on is on the out. It's either Justin Watson or Scotty Miller. So that'll be an interesting battle to watch um, if we have a training camp. Um, I mean, I'm sure we will, but I think depending on when we have it, how condensed it will be, it will be uh, very interesting to see which one of those wide receivers loses the battle. And it's hard. I really like Justin Watson because, you know, he's – He's got the Mike Evans frame, and, you know, he's like a poor man, a really, really poor man's Mike Evans. Um, because, I mean, last year when he's on the field, I couldn't tell the difference as far, you know, as like looks, size, and speed. But as far as talent, that's where the biggest gap is. And I just think year two in the system, I think it'll click for Justin Watson. He's a smart guy. So I really think, you know, Scotty Miller is going to be the one that's that's going to be the odd man out. And I, I just think, you know, he's so small that I think he was really scared to get hit, you know. A lot of the times when he caught the ball, you know, like the first three times he caught the ball, they had they were challenged because the other team thought it was a fumble or that he didn't complete the catch. So my guess is if anyone is on the outs, it's probably Scotty Miller. So – which would be fun, you know, Justin Watson would be a nice depth piece, you know, fifth wide receiver or whatever, probably not much playing time, more, you know, he proved to be good on special teams, and when you're a fifth wide receiver, you have to play special teams, and, um, you know, he's got the ability to play special teams, but I don't think Scotty Miller does because of his, you know, he's so small, and so, you know, he's what, I think he's like five. Five nine, 180 pounds or something like that. Something yeah, ridiculous. So. Extremely small. Extremely small. But it was, you know, it, I don't mind the bug. You know, like, so for me, fifth to seven round picks, I mean, the guys are going to take flyers on anyways. You know, you shouldn't really count on them to be, like, impactful, you know, four players on your on your team. Because they're not really. They're just like lottery tickets. If you win, great. If you don't, you know, you spend a dollar or two. And it just, so, yeah. Scotty Miller, to me, is probably the guy that's not going to be on this 53-man roster. Or he could be. He could go on the practice squad. It's very plausible. You know, they could cut him and put him back on the practice squad, which I wouldn't mind. But um, I don't know. I mean, the, the the point of, like, you know you have a good roster, like, when you're fourth wide receiver, 
is just as good as your number one wide receiver. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, you, when you think about it, it's crazy. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyler Johnson, O.J. Howard, and Gronk on the field all at the same time is just – incredible it's it's it's, it's crazy scary. to me it's gonna be scary for everybody except him it's gonna be great i'm excited but i i actually would have to disagree i think justin watson is going to be the outside guy but you did put a pretty interesting point that his special teams might be what saved him i just uh, justin watson just hasn't shown me enough in, in either year that he's been on the team. I get he's like a third-year guy, but, man, he's had some opportunities, and when he has, he just doesn't make the most of it. And it's, it's frustrating from a perspective. I mean, neither of them have really shown anything that makes me go, wow, except for Scotty's speed. I mean, speed is speed. It's going to make him say, wow, you know, regardless. But just the fact that, that Watson really hasn't produced and, Again, that I'm looks lost in the field or just the drops has just been plentiful. But it's going to be a very interesting battle. I think one of them, either or, is going to be the odd man out. Um, but like you said, it, it, you might not even have a training camp. Or you might have a very rushed training camp. It may be the preseason games that kind of determine who makes the squad, which would be not ideal. <laughs> Because you never know, you can have a, yep. game, uh, a great preseason game, and then it doesn't translate to a regular season game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, but um, I'm happy. Uh, I knew the Bucks needed to come out of there with at least one more wide receiver. Uh, yeah, so I'm glad they did, and I'm glad it was Tyler Johnson because I was very high on him from the beginning, and I mean. I'm just shocked that he fell that far and the Bucks got him. Uh, I think we're going to skip over the six-round pick because we kind of talked about Khalil Davis. Uh, yeah. I, I think he said, like, he's a, a rotational guy at this point. Potential for more. He's got really great speed. Um, so that will be interesting to watch. But uh, I, I want to get your thoughts and opinions on the first of the two seven-round picks. Um Chappelle Russell, the linebacker out of Temple. Uh, not the biggest guy. He's like six foot one, two thirty. I mean, it's not bad size. Uh, he's got, you know, decent size. I mean, Devin White's only six foot, but he's an aggressive guy. He's, uh, he he wants to hit people. <laughs> That's what I got from his statement, but he wants to hit people. And uh, his aggressiveness and his um, – ability to, you know, kind of read some of the plays and his IQ is kind of up there a little bit. I think uh, he might be someone who's going to be more of a depth piece because last year we had a bunch of injuries on the linebacker side. I mean, I, I think we went down to, like, uh, who's after Minter? Minter and then Tiki got hurt. Avante was out for a minute. Uh, Devin White. Uh, without three games, so I, I think this is going to be more of a depth piece of anything. But like, uh, I, uh, I want to know your thoughts on it. Uh, if you think he can stick, do you think he can he can beat somebody out who they bring in or something like that? Yeah, no, 
I think he's a death piece. He's um, when you bring up injuries, this guy's had the injuries. You know, he went tore his ACL twice, and mm-hmm. he's, you know, his first two years and then his last two years, he's been relatively healthy. Um, he's an inside linebacker. If I had to guess, he's probably going to replace Noah Dawkins, um, primarily special teams. So I know they're high. The Bucks are high on Jack Sitchie. They really like him, and I do too. He's just been had some really bad luck with injuries. Um, that that Rams so, uh, that Rams injury was ridiculous. Yeah. So I just think he's he's probably just more of a depth piece, probably to replace someone that's you know a depth piece already. I, and I think. Noah Dawkins is, is who he would be replacing. Or, you know, Noah Dawkins could stay and he could go on the, you know, the practice squad. You never know. Um, but I'm not really, I mean, this pick doesn't really get me excited, but um, like I said, it, he's a seventh-round pick, so I don't really mind it. He's not expected to come in and contribute right away. So it'll be interesting yeah, I mean, to see. Todd Bowles is really, you know, he does wonders for linebackers, so I don't know if they don't, they could be prepping him to be, um, to take over for Minter or uh, the following year. And maybe Jack Stitchy takes over for Minter and then um, Russell takes over for Jack Stitchy, you know, as a death piece. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't really mind it. Linebackers, I mean, I don't know. It didn't really – I was a little – not confused, but I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, he's a at the end of the day, it's like, okay, we needed yeah, depth on the defense, so it made sense. I mean, I don't hate the pick. I think I, – I need to see more from him. I haven't really dove into too much of his tape. Um, but, like I said, pretty much a depth piece. Um, could be more – could be a special teams guy. But, you know, just kind of those, you know, at, at first reactions, you're like, yeah, he's a linebacker. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I thought at first I thought he was a um, an outside linebacker, like an edge rusher. But when I went and watched, his, watched some tape on him, he was an uh, inside linebacker. So he played outside linebacker in a 4-3 defense, but in a 3-4 he would play inside linebacker. So, I, like I said, I don't really mind it the seventh round pick, you know, and Todd Bowles does pretty good work with linebackers. So, I mean, he could be a, a player that can contribute in a year or two. Not as, you know, a day, you know, as a every game starter, but a good right. depth piece down the road. You know, you always have to build for down, not just now, but in the future as well. So I, I can see, you know, let him develop for a couple of years and then see what we got. Um, Jason might takes a linebacker almost every year, just about it seems so. Uh, I don't really mind it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, the last pick of the draft was maybe the the most interesting one because um, I I have never heard of this pick in my life. Um, the seventh round pick, Raymond uh, Calais or or Cali, we're, we're not sure how it's pronounced. Um, he's a running back returner out of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, you know, he, he averaged 26 yards to kick return last season. He had over 2,900 yards in kick returns over his career. 
got some incredible speed and quickness. I mean, this kid can, can go. He can fly. Uh, I think maybe he can contribute to our Superman team, but before I go more into that, I want to know uh, what you think about him. I don't know if you've had time to watch tape or anything on him, but... I, I've watched a few, like, highlights on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, uh, the Bucks special teams has been, you know, awful. You know, I want to say, I mean, like, since John Gruden was the coach, was the last time we've had a kick return for a touchdown or a punt return for a touchdown. And we just don't get enough out of it, you know, and field position is crucial, you know. If you can get a guy that he can catch the ball and make a few guys miss and just instantly change the field position, you know, if that's his only impact, I'm here for it because the Bucks don't do a good job on it. Dari, they tried to put him in that role when T.J. Logan went down last year, and he was god-awful half the time. He couldn't even catch the ball. He would fumble it. So, I remember I mean, when he fumbled twice in one game, and I was so over it, so over it. Yeah, I, I think it was the Houston game it when was. he did that. Cause it, I was, it was after, literally after a pick six return, he fumbled it, and we were lucky to jump back on it. But I was at that point just so deflated. I was like, this is awful. I no longer want to be a part of this. But, yeah, I mean, I think the, the bus kick return and special teams game has been awful forever. I can't remember a time where we had a good special team. I can't. I mean, Michael Spurlock was the first one to return a kick return for a touchdown ever in Bucks history yep. ever. Like, we've never had I mean, a Adam Humphreys had that one kick return for a touchdown in, like, a preseason game, but it really, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter against Lions because it was preseason, but, and basically he was just outrunning offensive linemen because it was a missed field goal. You know, I think it was, like, a 59 or 60-yard field goal attempt, and he missed it short, and he was just had to outrun linemen. So (laughs) it wasn't really anything spectacular. He was just faster than the 320-pound people chasing him. Hey, I mean, I would hope so. But, I mean, I mean, they have to do something. They had Dare out there returning kicks. They had Justin Watson out there returning kicks who could just stand there and get blown up. They had a Bobo Wilson, who I'm not going to get into because that man should have never been on this team if we're being for real. Um, but it, it's the special team, it's not, even, it's not even only the people who are returning the ball. It's the people who, who are blocking awful. I mean, they have to got to work on that because, like you said, field position in this league is critical. If you're starting on your 10 or 15 every single drive, you're never going to score any points unless you have a potent offense like Tampa has. If you can get to the 25, 30-yard line or even the 40-yard line on a good kick return, like, you're cooking, especially when you have a kicker like Matt Gay who can make the longer field goal. Um so uh, if if he can come in and contribute right away, or you know, even if it's just strictly a uh, pump returns or fifty returns, I mean, it's, it's going to be a win in my book. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. I think the Bucks were going to take a running back anyways with that last pick in the seventh round. Um, the guy I would have liked to have seen 
him sign as an undrafted free agent was Malcolm Perry from uh, Navy, but he ended up going with, I think, the very next pick after the Bucks pick. Um, and there was also, I think, Chris Williamson, is, he's a cornerback that I wanted the Bucks to, to also take with that last seventh-round pick. Um, he ended up going five or six picks later. But I don't mind it. He's a running back. He has speed. And, and good teams in this league, you know, the playoff teams in this league have good special teams, you know. And the Bucks just haven't had it. And I think it's an all-time corner as well. Like, you don't have to have just strictly home run hitters on your team. You have to have guys that can change the pace, that can make people miss, that can get out of the face and run between tackles. So um, I think it has yeah. a little bit of variety as well. I mean, you have Rojo, who can pretty much, uh, you know, make people miss and not go down with more than, you know, just a hit. Uh, you have um, Raymond, who can, you know, burn people with the speed. I mean, it's just it's, it's just a matter of how they utilize these picks. Um, but I think uh, I would say at least five or six out of the seven picks have a chance to make an impact, at least in their first season. Um, maybe not day one, but at least in the season, they can be players that um, have a role, like a real solid role on the team. Yeah, no, I, I could agree with that. And, yeah, just the, the Bucks special special teams overall. I mean, when you look at it from, like, a field goal kicking perspective, I mean, gosh, the Bucks have went through, what, six field goal kickers since Jason White's been here? It's just been – the special teams has been a mess. And it's one of the most things, like, every year I, I end up talking, why aren't the Bucks placing emphasis on special teams? And then finally when Bruce Darians comes in, he's like, you, you have to have a good special team to help you flip field position. You know, like when Ryan Smith goes and, and uh, tap dances and gets the, you know, the ball at the, the two-yard line, you know, the – the opponent starting at the two yard line, that's usually gonna turn out, you know, for the in the Bucks favor. Um there was a couple instances when it didn't because the defense was really bad in the beginning of the year. It didn't really matter. But you know, any chance you get to have you know, give your offense good field position and then give your defense, you know, have the opponent backed up in their own territory, strange things happen, you know, when when a quarterback or, you know, when you're on the two-yard line and you got to get rid of the ball quick, you know, you get flustered, you might have to throw it earlier or you throw it earlier than what you should have and it gets picked off for a touchdown. So, I mean, special teams matters, you know. And I think the league tried to, you know, with giving the ball to 25-yard line, kind of take some of the impact of special teams away because of safety. But I think, you know, on punt returns, um, you know, you still got to make your field goals, um, and it still has a high impact, especially with field position. So the Bucks need desperately – if they're going to be a playoff team next year, they have to be good on special teams. No more of this, I'm going to make a 60-yard field goal, but I'm going to miss a 34-yard chip shot to win a game. Man, if we don't make our kicks this year, just go for two. Just go for it yeah. or go for two. Like, at this point, you're – I mean, you're, you're, you're risking it the same way. I mean, if you go for two instead of one, I mean, you might make more points. 
if you're going to go for it on fourth down and not do a 50-yard field goal well, you know, just chuck it up there. And if it doesn't happen, I mean, it's like a punt anyway. Yeah, exactly. But I uh, so to kind of round everything up because I know I've told you here for quite a minute. Uh, I didn't expect to go this long, <laughs> but uh, I want to get your final grade. If you have any other, uh, you know, last thoughts on you know draft the twenty twenty draft as a whole. And you know, my my grade was the same as it was at the beginning. I gave Jason Light a B. Uh, I think the first two rounds, like I said, I don't think you could have done any better. Um, I'm warming up to Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, so maybe down the road, you know, in a couple weeks, I might change my grade and be like, okay, I can kind of see it. maybe um, maybe an A, but time will tell with that. But right now I, I'm going to stick with my B. Um, and then as far as undrafted free agency goes, I really liked that they took the flyer on uh, the guy from LSU, the linebacker, the outside linebacker, Michael Divinity. Because he mm-hmm. was a solid player, and he played most of the season for LSU last year. He just had some off-field issues that if he can clean, clean, you know, that up, you know, and I think he it was he, he failed like four drug tests for marijuana. So I mean, if he just not doing that in Tampa and takes this chance seriously, I mean, he could really be a really good depth piece at the edge and really have a nice situational pass rusher role. And uh, it would be a great find for Jason Light. Yeah, I think he's going to be more of like a like a Shaq Barrett role or like a DE because of his speed. I mean, he ran like a 4.69. He's not the fastest uh, linebacker, but he definitely has some skill and some, some, you know, some power. I mean, you're playing on a, a CC team. You know, you're playing for the national championship. Uh, you have to yeah. have some kind of talent there, so I think it's a, a huge, like a massive deal to have an undrafted free agency. Um, I'm excited to see if he can contribute and make the team how, you know, his LSU weather, Devin White, uh, helps him and Devontae David helps him, that whole linebacker room. Um, I think, you know, I haven't had a whole bunch of time to look at his film, uh, or any of the other free agents, or the undrafted free agents that is, um, That'll be more of a tomorrow thing, but uh, he's he's my early favorite to make the team and really make a uh, an impact, whether it be right away or you know a developmental guy. But um, I'm definitely excited that he decided to sign with us. That that was huge. Yeah, I'm sure Devin White probably had a a hand in that as well. <laughs> He wants all of his LSU guys. I don't blame him. And Jason Light loves his LSU players. He loves them. Yep. Yep, and I've already been – there's some LSU linebackers I'm going to be uh, interested in looking at for next year's draft, see how they play next year. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, because Light, Jason Light likes taking linebackers from LSU, and they really – I mean, they've worked out for the most part. Other hey, than Kendall Beck, but he's just been more, you know, he had an unlucky accident, you know, nothing really Jason Light could have done about that. Hey, I mean, that SEC speed is different. The SEC is some of the best competitive, you know, competitive talent in, in the whole college football realm. Uh, nothing against any of the other conferences, but it's just, you know, 
When you think SEC, you think cream of the crop, at least in my mind. Yeah, and it only goes back to, like, why I think Tristan Wirfs fell. Because I think, I mean, the hardest team Iowa played last year was Penn State, which was Penn State was a really good team. But, like, when you're talking about, like, Andrew Thomas and Jedrick Wills, when they're facing LSU, they're facing, facing Florida, you know, some of the good, really good SEC competition. Those are why Andrew Thomas and Jedrick Wills, the competition and the conference they were in is why they were the first two offensive tackles off the board. Yeah, I mean, the more proven guys, it all makes sense. I mean, in my mind, yep. I mean, could be reading a little bit too into it, but... I'm going to let you go. It's now 1.30 in the morning for you guys listening on Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Chris, I want to thank you for coming on. I mean, I know yesterday you were supposed to come on, and then I had some technical stuff go on. Uh, I appreciate your patience. Uh, you gave some great insight. Definitely some different perspectives that I didn't even think of, especially with the Devin, Justin Evans thing. Uh, let people know how they can get a hold of you and, and add you and, you know, look at your stuff on ATB. Uh, let them know your Twitter handle. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at tb underscore bucks underscore for life. Um, I don't go on Instagram or Facebook or anything, so that's really the only place you can find me. And if you want to read my work, you can go to allthingsbuccaneers.com. And naturally, I appreciate you for having me on. This was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, it's one of the most exciting times of the year for most of us Bucks fans, you know, the draft time. And it's over, but now we have something, hopefully regular season football and playoff, hopefully playoff football this year. So I'm really excited for the, the – yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the 2020 season and just ready for it to, you know – start off so yep we get a schedule in two weeks and then we go from there yep we'll see maybe i don't know i'm hoping we play vegas the first week but i really don't want to go right out of the gate play kansas city but we'll see (laughs) it'll it'll be interesting to say the least we might have to have you back on once the schedule comes out and you know, have a discussion about that. I mean, that could be something. Oh, that could be something fun. Definitely. I appreciate it, Ashley. Thank you so much. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Chris, thank you again. And until next time, we're out.